focus verse this morning we want to we want to unpack and 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 walk through together so isaiah chapter 9 starting at verse 1 nevertheless gives you gives you guys a chance to get there whether you're you're turning through a, a physical bible or it's on your your phone your device however you you want to get there but isaiah chapter 9 and i'm reading from the christian standard bible this morning isaiah chapter 9 1 through 7 nevertheless nevertheless that's a good word nevertheless the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of zebulun and the land of naphtali but in the future he will bring honor to the way of the sea to the land east of the jordan and to the galilee of the nations the people walking in darkness have seen a great light a light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness on those living in the land of darkness you have enlarged the nation You have increased its joy. The people have rejoiced in you as they rejoice at harvest time. As they rejoice when dividing spoils, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke, the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of the battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with righteousness and justice from now on and forever. Here's what I want us to see. He says, the zeal of the Lord of the armies will accomplish this. Here's what I want you to hear this morning, right now, is that something good is coming. For those folks who had walked in darkness, for those folks who had, who had lived in, 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 in darkness and, and in the, the, the prophecy would come that the, the, the trees of the, of, of the forest would be cut down of, of Israel and God would, and out of the shoot we talked about last week, would, would come one who would rule and reign. Something good is coming. No more gloom, it says, for those in anguish. No more wandering around in darkness and chaos and confusion. There is light that is coming. There is increased joy that is coming. There is an increase of the nation that is coming. Enemies defeated. Blessed instead of oppression something good is coming according to the prophet Isaiah something good is coming because someone good is coming that someone his name is Jesus Jesus is our joy Jesus is our joy When Jesus begins his public ministry, he goes to the Jordan River to be baptized by a prophet named John. Now, Matthew's account of this baptism is found in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 12. It says, when he heard that John had been arrested, now John had baptized him, and now John has been arrested. And he left Nazareth and went to Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of shadow of death, a light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Now when Jesus went to the 
through the Jordan to be baptized by John. John the baptizer, Matthew, and Jesus all recognized the fulfillment of this prophecy by Isaiah. And then when John is arrested, Jesus says, okay, it's time now for me to to walk out this prophecy, to begin to preach the kingdom is here. Jesus is the light shining in darkness. Jesus is the one who increases our joy. Jesus is the harvester who sows seeds of joy. Jesus is our burden breaker. Jesus is the conquering warrior. Jesus is the joy of nations. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the ruler. Jesus is the just ruler, and Jesus is the joyful judge. Jesus, this one spoken of by Isaiah, is Jesus. As you read through this prophecy, Jesus is the fulfillment. He would be the one who breaks the yoke of oppression. He would be the one who will increase our joy. You say this morning, I just, I've, I've been feeling like I've been walking in darkness. I tell you something this morning. Jesus is the increaser of joy. You can pray. You can ask God in Jesus to increase your joy. You can begin to focus in on Jesus, read about Jesus, fall in love with Jesus. Your joy will be increased. It's when we lose sight of Jesus that our joy begins to dwindle. When our eyes begin to focus on everything around us, when our eyes begin to focus on the, on the darkness, when our eyes begin to focus on the trouble, when our eyes begin to focus on the things that aren't going the way we wish they were, that's when we lose hope and that's when we lose joy. And what Jesus wants us to do, what the prophet tells us to do, is even in darkness a light has Jesus will increase your joy. But you've got to get back your vision of Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus again. Fall in love with Jesus again. I I get I get very frustrated, folks. I get very grieved in my spirit when I look at, at where we are as a, not this church, where the American church is today, I get grieved in my spirit. Because it's so easy for us to, it's so easy for us to have all these boxes that we have to check and we forget to fall in love with Jesus. We forget the whole point of what we're doing. We have a lot, it's easy to have have churchianity without a falling in love with Jesus. It's easy to have a culture, a Christian culture without a love for Jesus. It's easy to set up these boundaries and the parameters and and these check boxes of, of how we want the world to be and how we want our society to be. It's easy to do that in the name of Jesus without even a love for Jesus. 
let's let's let Jesus increase our joy. Now that we know that Isaiah nine applies to Jesus, I want to dig into it a little bit more. So let's 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 take some time now to unpack this. Verses one and two, we've read it. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of Jordan, to the Galilee of nations. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. There is a light, church. There is a light that brings joy. Light has come. These people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of darkness, a light has shone. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness. There is nothing beyond what God cannot bring hope and bring joy and bring light to. He spoke into the darkness and created light. He said, let there be light. When there was nothing, there was emptiness, there was confusion, there was chaos, there was nothing. And he said, let there be light. This God who spoke light into darkness can speak light into your life. He can speak light into your darkness, and he can bring joy. John 1, 5 says, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That light is Jesus. That light is Jesus. Shining in darkness. Since the darkness has not overcome it, cannot overcome it, will not overcome it, the darkness will vanish at the light of Jesus. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Never walk in darkness. That throws us right back to Isaiah chapter 9, the people walking in darkness. have seen a great light. Now that you have seen the light, you no longer walk in darkness. You walk according to the light of Christ in your life. The light has shown. You will no longer walk. There is a a light. There is direction. There is vision. There is hope. There is joy. There is no longer aimlessness and despair and despondency, but there is light for the people of God. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Anyone who follows that light will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll have the light of life. A light has dawned on those living in a land of darkness. A light has dawned. It's it's not easy to walk around in darkness. You ever, I'm sure you have, you get up in the middle of the night and you need to go to the restroom or maybe you need to go to the refrigerator. Or maybe your spouse snores and you just need to get out of the room for a minute. (laughs) Right? 
always dark in your room and you think you know the way around your room, even in darkness. But you turn the corner when you get to the end of that bed and you hit your toe and you stub your toe right on the corner of that bed and you're like, I don't want to wake anybody up, but you want to scream so loud. In that darkness, you think you know the way. In that darkness, you think you can navigate. But you still end up stubbing your toe. In the darkness, things that aren't what they you think they are, they appear like something else, right? When you're a kid in the darkness, you see that you, you, your, your coat is hanging up on a door, but in the darkness, it looks like a big old monster, right? Carter, it was Carter, right? The, 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 we had popcorn ceilings, and he would lay down on bed, and he thought that was a lion up there. That popcorn ceiling in the darkness, it looked like a lion to him. And he would holler, it's a lion! It's a lion! No, it's just the ceiling. In the darkness, things that aren't even harmful, we can become afraid of. The enemy can twist and turn and use the, those things in the darkness to, to have us walk in fear and walk in uncertainty and, and walk in, in, in despair and walk in the lie of the darkness. There is a lie in the darkness. But when the light comes on, you see the truth and you discover there's no need to fear, there's no need to worry. That was just the coat on the door. It was just the popcorn seal on the ceiling. It, there is a direction. You no longer have to stomp your toe on the bed because there is light, there is truth. The people who walk in darkness need the light see clearly and there is a light that comes in Jesus a light has dawned you have enlarged the nation you've increased its joy the people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time as they rejoice when dividing spoils Jesus church Jesus is the light that brings joy there's no joy when you're walking in darkness there's no joy when you're walking around without direction. There's no joy when you're walking around without vision of where you are and where you're going. There's no joy in hopelessness, but Jesus is a light that shines in darkness. Jesus is the sun breaking forth at dawn. Jesus is the light that gives humanity hope and vision. Jesus is the light that brings joy. Why is there joy? I want us to look at three fours that tell us the reason for joy. One four is this. One four is this. The burden is broken. Isaiah 9, 4, you have shattered their oppressive yoke. The rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressors, just as you did on the day of Midian. This reference to Midian, of course, is a throwback to Gideon. Throwback to Gideon where where he led an army of 300 men against the oppressors of the Midianites. Now, Gideon was nothing special. We talked about him a little bit in our sermon series through Hebrews 11. Gideon was nothing special. He was afraid. He was scared. He was hiding in the threshing floor. He did not 
he did not want to want to 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 uh, be the the leader. He was afraid, and God called him, and he used this this fearful, cowardly man to become a brave leader and lead Israel against the oppression of the Midianites. So this is a throwback to Midian, where Gideon led his army against the Midianites. Now, looking at Gideon and, and looking at his family, there's, you, you would think there's no way that this Gideon, there's nothing in Gideon that would cause Gideon to, to defeat the oppressors of Israel. When you look at Gideon, so there, there's nothing special about him. He's not a trained warrior. He's not a leader. He's not a natural-born leader. He is, he's just Gideon. But there, and, and his family is, is nothing. His family, they're not, they're, not, they're not powerful. They're not influential. They're nothing. But God used Gideon, and Gideon destroyed the altar of the false god Baal. Gideon then defeated the, the Midianite army when God whittled down the, the 32,000 men to 300 men and, and defeated the Midianites. Gideon, this man who was nothing when you look at him or look at his family or look at his parents is nothing, but he was able to defeat the Midianites. Jesus, church, Jesus is a true and better Gideon who had nothing special when you look at him, but would defeat the oppressor would defeat the rod of the oppressor. Like a freedom fighter, this great light will break through and snap the rod of the oppressor. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Jesus is this true and better Gideon who takes the yoke of the oppressor, the principalities and powers, the rulers of wickedness in high places, and shatters that rule so that we can walk in freedom, walk in light, no longer walking in darkness. Jesus is this one who would break the rule, rod, of the oppressor. Two, two, four. This war the war has a warrior who ends war. The war has a warrior who ends war. Isaiah 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 5. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For every trampling boot, I love that, of battle, and all the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Listen, church, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. His kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. Heather and I, the other morning, the other Sunday morning, we, uh, for one of her classes, we had to go to a, uh, to, to a uh, high church experience. And um, so we got up one Sunday morning, a couple Sunday mornings ago, got up early, went to, went to Mass, Catholic Mass, uh, down the street. And um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And um, I, just to be real, I, I enjoy the, that kind of liturgy, up and down and stuff. Um, I also enjoy shouting and running around, so it's all, you know, it's all over the place for me. Um, 
but at the end of, of one of the one of their liturgy, they told everybody to greet you with peace, right? So everybody, goes, and I, I thought they were, and so everybody turns around and it was like peace. Everybody's trying to keep. Is that normal? Like, has anybody been to Cup? Does that happen every Sunday? I didn't know that. I was like, is this? But it was awesome because it was like a reminder there that yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We should walk in peace with one another. We should experience peace with one another. We should live in peace. It was awesome. I wasn't expecting it, but it was cool. Maybe we should just do that today. Peace, guys. Peace. Peace. It was awesome. We need to do that. It was peaceful. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We think we, we, a lot of times, I know, me not growing up in, in, in a Catholic church, and we see the peace sign, right? We think like hippies. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. We should, we should care more about peace. I love this. Every brute of war, all battle fatigues will be burnt up. They'll be useless and defeated. At one day, every instrument of war will be burnt up. One day, every instrument of violence will be repurposed into an instrument of peace. That's what scripture says. Swords and guns and bombs melted down into garden tools. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. No more guns in school shootings. No more medical forceps used to abort preborn humans. No more genocide. No more instruments of war. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. No more war. No more weapons of war. No more need for war. No more need for weapons. What a day. As anyone who has ever been to war or lived through war will tell you, that day will be a day of victory. That day, when we're melting down our weapons of war to make gardening tools out of, that day will be a day of rejoicing. When there's no more need for tools of violence, that day will be a day of rejoicing. That day. This week, as anyone who has ever lost a loved one to violence, or been a victim of violence will tell you that day will be a day of rejoicing. As any mother grieving from the choice to abort her baby, and even as her baby will tell you that day will be a day of great joy. His kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. Even so, Lord Jesus, come.
this week. You guys see the news. You guys know. Seeing an increase. We're just hearing more about gun violence. This week there was another shooting at a school in Michigan. Four high schoolers killed. You guys know the story. Some of the parents have been charged. Parents fled, leaving their son in jail. saw videos of students in the classroom when the other students who were doing the shooting knocked on their door and said he was the police, said it was clear you can come out. And one of the students said, we're not willing to take that risk right now. And the student with the gun in the hallway says, Come on, bro, it's the police. And the student said, he said, bro, not a cop. And they took out out the window and took off running. Classroom full of students. That's not what the kingdom of God looks like. That's not what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. That we live in a land where four high schoolers can just be killed in an instant. This week, there was arguments before the Supreme Court. You guys watch the news, you know. I even sent out a, a, a message this week asking you guys to pray for that case and to pray for also for the, for the violence and the gun violence in our country. But there was an arguments before the Supreme Court this week, this week. The legal case that was brought before the Supreme Court has to do with a case in Mississippi where Mississippi banned abortion after 15 weeks. And abortion providers sued and, and brought the case and it went to the Supreme Court and this week, Wednesday, the arguments, the oral arguments were, were presented there. I want to encourage you to continue praying for that case. Ruling will come down and probably be June or July, I believe, of this, of, of this year. It'll be this summer when the ruling is, comes down. And, and, and most, most pundits and political or, or legal scholars who follow that stuff and, and, and listen to the cases, and, and I listen to, 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 the, to the presentation for the oral arguments, so I listen to them, and, and I listen to some legal pundits this week, and folks that, that, that have some pro-life, uh, some, some folks that have even argued pro-life cases before the Supreme Court. I listened to, to their pod, this podcast this week, talking about it, and, and, and 
and most political pundits think that the court will lean in the direction that that they'll uphold the Mississippi law. That's that's the way most folks read that case. And so what will happen then is is that it'll go back to state and, and, and it won't be it, it'll be up to state to, to determine what abortion law looks like in each state. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that abortion is 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 over, but it means that that each state will be able to 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 vote and and, and decide and pass laws for abortion in their state. It also means that as the church, the church will face challenges. It will be faced with questions of what does it look like to be pro-life once abortion laws are changed. What will it look like to be pro-life? no longer just about voting for a pro-life candidate. It's about implementing policies that, that help life flourish. As the people of God, we have to think through those things. I say both of those things to say, I don't believe it's, an, it's coincidence this week that there was an attack in a school and that there were cases, a case about abortion between the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court. This is a land of darkness. There is much darkness. And this further evidence that the enemy wants to destroy and continues to destroy the hope and the dreams and the life of our sons and daughters. I don't believe it's coincidence that we have high schoolers facing death and we have preborn children facing death. I don't believe it's an accident that we have to reckon with gun violence and abortion. Because we have a culture of death in our country. We walk in darkness. And I cannot wait for the Prince of Peace to destroy every instrument of darkness. Please hear what I'm saying. You don't have to read anything more into what I'm saying than this. I cannot wait for the day when instruments of violence are no longer part of the kingdom of God. When there's no more need 
and no more want. Because when there's no more need, there should be no more want. The Prince of Peace. The Prince Are you excited about that day? I'm excited about that day. When they don't have to worry about school shootings. When I don't have to worry about abortion. When I don't have to worry about violence in downtown Mobile. I'm excited about the day when I don't have to worry about having an alarm system. excited about the day when the Prince of Peace breaks the yoke of the oppressor. When the God of Peace soon crushes Satan underneath our feet. Three-fourths, a child born, a son given, a name above For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. A gift is given, a gift from heaven. Luke chapter 1, the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The government will be on his shoulder. It's a new government. It's a new kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. The Pilate called Jesus and said, are you the king of the Jews in Luke chapter 18? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or do others say it about me? And Pilate answered, I'm a Jew. Your, your own na- Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king? For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who believes and who is of the truth listens to my voice. My kingdom is not of this world. There is a kingdom from that, 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 that comes from heaven that the Prince of Peace is the king of this kingdom. His name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, a Wonderful Counselor. A counselor is one who is able to make wise plans. This means that he is a ruler whose wisdom is, be, is, is beyond human capabilities. He is, a, he is a wonderful counselor whose wisdom is above our, our abilities, our capabilities, our wisdom, our knowledge. He is able to, to understand and see and, and know beyond our ability. He is infinite and he is wonderful. 
is a mighty God. That is the title of the Lord himself. He is an everlasting father. That means he is a, he is a protector, a defender. He takes care of his people. He is a prince of peace. He is the ruler whose reign will bring about peace because the nations will rely on his just decisions in their disputes. He will rule and he will reign and the nations will obey. All of this picture together represents that this son from heaven has all the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily in him as we see in Colossians chapter 2. So see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity, the whole fullness of God dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head and rule of all authority. And of his increase of his government, there will be no end. What does that mean? It means that his rule is ever-expanding. The gates of hell will not prevail against his kingdom, against the church, against his people, and on the throne of David he will sit. Matthew chapter 1. Good, if you come on up. Matthew chapter 1 says this, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, listen, citizens of his kingdom are both just and righteous. The zeal of the Lord will do this. From that time, Jesus began to preach, repent. Isaiah's words prove true. The king will return. Jesus will return. His rule will not end. His will be a kingdom of peace. And because of that, the joy the people will enjoy. You don't have to be afraid. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to, to worry about. There's nothing to be anxious about. In his kingdom, in his kingdom of peace, joy increases because darkness disappears. Darkness disappears. In his kingdom, there is joy. In his kingdom, there is peace. And scripture tells us that Christ has made peace with us. to experience this peace that is that is ever to increase because his kingdom will ever increase you can begin to experience this peace now and this joy now because of Jesus because of his death because of his resurrection there is joy there is joy there is joy unspeakable and full of
morning as we come and prepare our hearts to receive the elements of communion. Lord, I pray, God, that for folks this morning who have been walking in darkness, even in this land of darkness, light has shone in our hearts. And now, God, we are to shine the light that you have given to us to bring joy. Jesus, you will return.